0: We are back with another episode of the Black Box Podcast. I'm your host, Ahmed.
1: And I'm your host, John. And we got another interview, this time with, I guess, an old buddy of mine. We also played against each other a lot in AAU growing up. His name's Taylor Nussbaum. He was a Division One basketball player at Penn State. Also served a short stint playing pro in Israel, as well as uh, now he's a financial advisor. So, most of the episode, we talk about the financial advising stuff, obviously, because it's a black box podcast, but we do go into the pro career and college basketball and stuff and how that kind of led him to decide that he really wants to do financial advising. But I think it's a really good one. Once again, I think every episode, we're stepping it up a bit for you guys. Let us know if you agree or if there's anything else you're looking for specifically, but otherwise, we can get into it.
0: Yeah, no, I... Uh, it was a pleasure meeting Taylor, and uh, thanks again, Taylor, for hopping on. It was a great conversation, but um, yeah, let's, let's just jump right in.
1: We're super excited to uh, announce on Blackbox that we have our first advertisement, and it is with our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, which is what we've been using since day one to record remotely with our guests, uh, and they've become a new sponsor for the show. So, tune in. Check out the podcast discount link in our show notes, and stay tuned to hear more about why we love ZenCaster. Hey, Taylor! Uh, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Glad we could connect after the uh, Phil Tune episode. Uh, you want to just uh, introduce yourself real quick?
2: What's up, guys? Uh, my name's Taylor Nussbaum, uh, former Penn State basketball player as well as professional player. Uh, now I'm working as a financial advisor in New York City. Um, super excited to be on the show. I saw Phil Toon was on it, one of my good friends. So actually, uh, that's when I first tuned in. I was like, yeah, of course I want to be on it. So I'm excited to be
0: here. <laughs> awesome. Um, I guess just uh, real quick, as soon as you say financial advisor, right, the first thing that comes to mind is like, Whenever you hear anyone who's not a financial advisor talk about anything money related, they're like, oh, this is not financial advice, blah, 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 blah. What did you have to do to be able to give financial advice? Like, what, what is the, what the step for that?
2: <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, I had to pass First Life and Health. I had to pass my Series 6, Series 63, Series 7, my SIE. I had to do numerous courses about estate planning, annuities, um, everything from mutual funds to derivatives, just a a lot of courses, a lot of paperwork. And at the end of the day, um, you know, I think what makes it different than like, just like somebody talking about investment advice is that like we range from, we're not investment advisors, like we can do that, but it's a kind of like more whole scale. It's like, we'll look at like retirement accounts and estate planning and, tax efficiency and stuff like that. So I think that's kind of one of the main differences between the two. And uh, yeah, got I had to jump, I wouldn't say jump through a lot of hoops. I just had to put a lot of work in to get to where I am right now with this finance stuff. Cause when I started, like I had an econ degree from Penn state, but I didn't know anything about finance really. Like I could barely play what a bond was a year ago today um, when I was on a basketball course. So that, that was, I, I, I had to do a lot to get to this point, I guess, you know?
0: Yeah, of course. So, from start to finish with your, like, preparations and exams and stuff, how long would you say it took you? Either weeks, months, or, like, number of hours you put in? Like, whatever like whatever mm-hmm. scale, I guess, is best for you.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I started when I was, like, still playing basketball. So, sh- should I start off with my basketball? Are we going to start
0: talking about basketball? or talk talking about both? Or, I don't I mean, know. I, like, I, like, I, I want to hear about your basketball career, too. <laughs> so just
1: start with this. And then after that, we'll go back okay, cool. to the basketball before going back. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
2: So when I was, I was going through a little bit right here. Cause I have to, um, when I was still playing basketball, I, I kind of knew like long run, I wasn't going to be, I, I knew I didn't want to be one of the guys that was playing overseas for 10 years. Like a lot of people do that and God bless them. But like, just for me, I kind of knew that I didn't want to have that instability. Like I didn't want to, I want to have something that was more stable. Yep. Um. you know, when I was doing a lot of the tryouts and stuff like that, I actually went down to Memphis and worked out for the the Memphis Hustle, which was like the G League affiliate of the Grizzlies. And when I was down there, I was like talking to some of the guys and this guy's like 30 years old. And he was like, yeah, I played in Ireland last year. I don't know where I'm going to go this year. And he's got like a kid and he's got a wife. And I'm thinking like, damn, man, like I don't want to be 30 years old and, and not know what country I'm going to live in and how I'm going to support my family. So I was like. You know, I got this degree. Like I think I want to go into finance and everything, so I started studying then for my tests. So I was actually studying before I went overseas, and then when I was like playing, still so I was still studying and everything. So I guess you could say a total of nine month period from the time I first started studying to when I got like completely uh, licensed to sell mutual funds and give advice on that end and 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 work as a fiduciary. I would say. Awesome. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, I, I respect the grind of, like, all the multitasking you had to do. I appreciate that,
1: man.
2: It's, it's fun, too, though. Like, I you know I, I like what I do, and uh, I like talking about it, so I'm excited to be here today, too.
1: Awesome. Especially because we love to, you know, circle everything back to investing or, you know, smart money management in some way. You know, we've gone the route of self-education, but yeah. it seems like, you know, like you're just saying right now, you were balancing a pro basketball career right out of a college basketball career mm-hmm. on top of learning to, you know, enter the financial world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you said you started at, uh, you were playing at Penn State, but when did you start to realize that you wanted to go play at the next level and really pursue that?
2: Honestly, like
1: March of senior
2: year, like I, it wasn't part of the plans, bro. Like, honestly, like growing up, like I always knew like, like, when I first started playing ball, like, when I first, like, John, when we first started playing, like, I was not that good. You know what I mean? Like, when I, we first played, like, um, like, Bruce League, I was definitely just, like, average or whatever. And, you know, I, I was always, like, I don't know. I always had this, like, vision in my mind that I was going to be in the NBA and do all this stuff. So, I just, like, worked, like, super hard and, like, super hard all the time. I remember <laughs> that.
1: I remember you working hard. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I was just, like, I was just working my ass off. And by the time I got to high school, I started to get offers and stuff like that. But, you know, it wasn't towards the end that I got Penn State. And it kind of worked the same way in uh, in college, like literally until, like I was thinking like I was going to come right out of school and start working. And then my senior year, because when I got there as a freshman, like I was not ready for Big Ten basketball. Like if yeah. you ask any of my teammates, like my first couple practices at Penn State I, I were a shit show. I, like I, I was like, oh, God damn, like these people are so much better than me. I'm like 160 pounds. Like I'm getting pushed around and everything like that. So it took a lot of work to get from where I was as a freshman to where I was as a senior. And I think, like, senior year, I was really like, all right, like, I'm right there with everybody. Like, I felt when I stepped in the court, like, I didn't feel like there was any difference between me and, you know, like, the next guy. You know what I mean? And then, um, you know, I I didn't play a lot at Penn State, but I feel like when I was in the game, like, I was was doing the right things and everything, and I felt like in practice I was, um, you know, every time I was, like – I, I felt like I was killing it. You can compete.
1: You can compete. I mean, if you put someone in an environment, like you said, in the beginning, you were struggling, but if you yeah if you're in an environment for four years, exactly, someone's exactly. pushing you to get better, you, you will eventually rise to the competition. Exactly. Exactly. And I felt like
2: as far as my skills, like, um, like my ball handling, my shooting, I felt like I was one of the better guys on the team as far as that. And then um, senior year, I just had a couple agents, like, hit me up on, like, Facebook or Instagram, whatever. Like, I, I wouldn't even check Facebook, but I would, like I, – I logged in, like, once or twice senior year, and it was, like, yeah, a couple yeah. messages. And I was, like, oh, like, I guess I'll see what they're talking about. And, you know, one of the guys – the first dude I talked to was out of his mind. I forget his name, but, like, I, the first time I talked on the phone with him, he was, like, yeah, we're going to have you down here in, like, two weeks, and you're going to be flying out to Israel. And I was, like, okay, dude, like, calm down. I don't know. You know what you're talking about.
1: Right?
2: <laughs> and then the next guy was like, yeah, you probably don't want to be working with that guy. But he, he was a better dude and, um, you know, kind of like walking through the process and everything. And I was like, all right, like I, I could really do this. And that's how that kind of came to be. It's it literally just off of somebody hitting me up. I think he hit me, I forget if it was Facebook or Instagram that he messaged me on first. But that's how also, it started.
1: I mean, Big Ten basketball is also, you know, one of the top conferences, if not. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's in argument for one of the better conferences in the country. Yeah. So even if you're competing at that level to go pro like you were at israel i guess how do the leagues work uh, is it oh, was I that the top like, league like or better is... over there than i ever
2: did at penn state like that honestly i felt like it was easy over there after playing the big 10 like big 10 you got people that are seven feet running at you to yeah, yeah like you, didn't, you don't have that over there and there are right. a couple seven footers and like my team was definitely like had some talents on it and everything but you know when i got over there it was more like okay like you're like this is you, go do your thing now. You know what I mean? Like it was more like that. And I think when my first games I had, I had like 24 and seven or whatever. And I was like, I was loving it. I really was. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> when you're putting
1: up numbers, yet. it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Like, I in high
2: school. Like this is a lot of fun. So, um, it wasn't that the competition, like the skill level was that much worse than like college basketball, but the athleticism was really different. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, guys were older. So I felt like I was faster and everything like that. And like, there was some size in the court, but, the guys who are 7 foot over there just don't move like the guys who are 7 foot in the big 10 you know what i mean 7 foot for the big 10 you got Hunter dickinson you got kofi coburn you got just like monsters going to be in the nba next year yeah you know what i mean
0: so so just i guess real quick before we continue about this uh i'm assuming the big 10 are 10 10 colleges that have great basketball teams but
2: I'm not even sure what I call the Big 10. I think it, it started 15. as 10.
0: Yeah. So it's called the Big 10, but there are 14. Yeah, I think it used to be 10. Uh, oh, so so 4 or 14? 14. Okay. So do you like what other schools are there? Is that does that include like Duke and UNC? UNC.
2: Um, Big 10, Big. the top teams you'd know are like Michigan, Ohio State, uh, Michigan State, Indiana, and then there's like Penn State, Rutgers, Wisconsin, uh, Nebraska, I'm forgetting the rest of them, but Iowa. Oh, another one.
1: It's, a, it's a really good conference. That's, that's all. Yeah, no, it's it really it's a, it's a good
2: conference. It's, it's tough. There's usually eight or nine, no, probably, probably seven or eight teams a year that go to the March to go to March Madness. So,
0: Oh, that's fresh. You know, a lot of
2: NBA players every year. So,
1: so I guess, oh, I mean, even though you were doing well and you could say that you were one of the more competitive players on the court, mm. was it, you know, you said instability. Was, like, the compensation not what you thought it would be or what people think when you're a professional oh, basketball player?
2: Hell no. And, like, it, it's so varied. Like, I, I was getting they're, – they're treating me all right because, like, they have to treat the Americans, like, a little better. But a lot of the things people uh, – one thing people don't know about, like, EuroLeague basketball, I feel like, or overseas basketball anywhere is, like, you might not get that paycheck for two months. Like there's no one stopping them. Like you know what I mean. Like there's nobody yeah. over there. Like like enforcing who's getting the paychecks. And if your team loses a sponsor for like a couple weeks or whatever, like that paycheck is you're not gonna. It's not gonna hit. And like there's nothing you can really do about it. Oh shit. And that was one thing I was like, um, another league of inconsistency. And it happens at the higher leagues, higher than me too. Because I was talking to one of my friends, Josh. Um, he was my teammate at Penn State. Uh, Josh Reeves. He played for the Mavericks for a little bit. And I forget where he was at overseas, but he was like, dude, they haven't paid me in like a couple weeks. weeks. If they don't pay me soon, like I'm out. <laughs> and I was like, damn, like it, it, it's crazy, man, like how they could do that. But it's definitely something that happens and um, it can be really sketchy if you're not in the right leagues. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah especially ones that don't have a lot of money flowing in. Mm-hmm, like the one I was in
2: did not have a lot of money. I mean, it was solid. Like Israel is like a real like um, solid, like solidly put together league. And there's good, there's good money over there. Israel is like a really well, like developed yeah. country, even in the even in the good ones. I mean, when you get to the top, of the top, I'm, I'm sure it's like way better, like where Josh is at now in Turkey. But, um, you know, it, it's so unregulated, and just, especially when yeah. you don't speak the language. It's crazy. So
0: yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Have you have you in your time playing overseas? Like, have you encountered like somebody that you look at and you're like, wow, this dude is like this dude is going to be in the NBA soon or something like that. Like Luka and Jokic, like all, of, like there's, I feel like there are a lot more international basketball players in the NBA now than there ever have been. Right. Yeah. Do you have, did you ever see someone that you thought like had the potential to be in the NBA or not were you really. not there no, long
2: Way more in college. Cause it's like when you're in the big 10, like there's like so many, like, freshmen or, or sophomores on other teams that were looks like crazy or people even on my team I was like all right this dude's gonna go to the league overseas I wouldn't I wouldn't say as much was over there just because of the league I was in I mean I'm sure there was a couple here and there but nah, nah, nah not really
1: podcasting remotely can be challenging but with Zencaster the product that we use to record our episodes it doesn't really have to be Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution makes the process pretty quick and painless which is, you know, the way we really want it to be. If you've been listening to The Black Box for a while now, you know that we constantly talk about how we want to bring the best quality and the best content for our listeners, you guys. And with Zencaster, they provide crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video for us as we record our episodes with our guests. Uh, Not to mention, it's easy to use. That's why we really like it because instead of having to coach, you know, guests on how to set up a podcast if they haven't been on one before, we basically just say, show up with a mic and a a computer and you're good to go with Zencaster. Zencaster is all about making your podcast experience easy and with everything from local recording to automatic post-production tools. If you want to use those, uh, you don't even have to leave your browser to get the entire episode done. If you go to zen.ai slash black and enter our promo code blackbox, you'll get 30% off on your first three months of Zencaster Pro. That's zen.ai slash a c k B-L-A-C-K-B-O-X. It's time to share your story. So, I mean, just reclarify for us again, but at what point did you decide in recent history that you wanted to hop back to the U.S. and make this financial uh, advisor career actually work out?
2: Honestly, I I kind of knew like before I was going that like it was going to happen at some point. I don't know like when it exactly like switched, but um, after our like summer tournament ended, which was like like the first like kind of like half of the season or whatever, um, like I, I was out. And I was like, All right, I'm coming back. And, like, I'm, I'm going to make the full transition and everything. And, um, you know, I'm still trying to keep basketball, like, a big part of my life. Like, honestly, a lot of my clients have been basketball players, have been my coaches and stuff like that. Like, as soon as you start off, because yeah. like, you, you know, you need support coming off. And those are the first people I hit up. But as far as, like, my main thing being basketball, which it was for, like, 15 years or 20 years or whatever, I, yep. I'd say it stopped probably, yeah, pretty recently. I mean, not pretty recently, but in the last – 12 months.
1: So okay, when did you start uh, this position?
2: Uh, September.
1: Okay. So yeah. Transfer into that now, but what are the full responsibilities of a financial advisor?
2: Mm, um, you know, it, it depends because a lot of what I'm doing right now is working with the higher up people. You know what I mean? So you're getting months, like, brought getting up to somebody, speed. that
1: exactly. You're getting brought up to speed and stuff.
2: Yeah, it's also, like, there's a lot of joint work. So, for example, there are people in my company that have a billion dollars under assets, of assets under management. Yeah. And they've been doing it for 30 years. And so when I call somebody up, I'm like, hey, what's up? Like, John Smith, uh, managing director at Goldman Sachs. I saw you went to Penn State. I went to Penn State, too. Like, this is the, my team over here is what we do. Like, would you be down for, like, an intro call? Like, obviously, I'm speaking... Better turn yeah, yeah, that. yeah. But, um, and they're like, yeah, like, I'm going to bring that guy and make the connection with the higher up joint work partner at our firm. Because if that guy comes in and see, he sees me, I'm, I'm 24 years old, and I'm like, I'm not giving this guy $50 million to manage. Like, are <laughs> talking about? You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. And, and, and like, honestly, I think I'd do fine, but it, it's just a rapport thing and it's, um,
1: you know, experience people, thing. They want exactly. to know that if they're going to give a large sum of money to someone to manage it, they want exactly. to know that. At least, exactly. Even if you're helping out, they want to know there's someone above you at least mm-hmm. giving you some insight.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a lot of that. And then for the people that like I take on on my own, like warm market people or, you know, people maybe just in their, in their 30s or uh, their late 20s is, is kind of my own market. Um, you know, you really kind of take a look at like everything that they're doing as far as that, their financial picture, looking at uh, the money they're managing on their own, what kind of retirement assets they're, they're in right now and, You know, what would be the best, as far as from a tax perspective, like efficient way to to blend down implications when they do distribute that money? So I think that's a big thing and making sure that, you know, they have the right insurance in place and it's, uh, they have the right types of coverage and amount of coverage is a big thing too, because that's a lot of things. I think that's something that gets overlooked by a lot of people is the insurance side of things is there's a lot of different things you can do with it. And, you know, a lot of different ways you can use it and stuff like that and, yeah. like if I, I can like usually when I get on a call with somebody, um, like for example, if I call somebody from BlackRock, they might be absolutely like knocking it out of the park. Like they might be getting fifteen percent a year and whatever the hell they're doing with their private placements and all that, but they are could be losing twenty five percent of it a year because they're not getting taxed on it in the short term game. Like I mean, people just don't yeah. know. There's so many ways to avoid that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of the way we come in and, and
1: help people on that end. Isn't there a like a tactic that you know more wealthy people use where they leverage their insurance plan to get tax-free, yeah, like, like uh, finances that they can use to Mm. buy other assets against it.
2: Yeah, exactly. So that's actually, I'm surprised you knew about that. Nobody fucking knows about that.
1: I Um, I do a lot of research, but it's more like I just don't have the wealth right now to, you know, make these, put these things into action. I'm trying to build that now.
2: Absolutely. So there's a couple of ways you can do it. And um, there's two, there's one called, it's just like whole life insurance, that's and then, then there's it, yeah, variable life insurance, and the variable one is basically what you're doing is you're taking like say you're taking hundred dollars a month, and your dollar cost averaging it into the market. Mm-hmm. You're doing it inside of an insur- inside of an insurance vehicle, so a little bit of the money in the first ten years is going into the is is paying for the cover uh the cost of insurance. So it's like say like a hundred of like if you get put a hundred dollars and ninety of it is getting invested into whatever mutual fund you want. Um, that ninety dollars is growing each month, obviously in whatever mutual fund but when you take it out under IRS code 7702 it's considered a return of premium and a non-callable loan so you can take it out tax free and that's what they call like the rich man's roth because it's after tax dollars you take it out with no tax growth on it which is like the fucking like cheat that's code so of finance yeah. right there and that, that's a lesson pretty much our bread and butter so people I've seen people put literally 150 grand a year into those things and when they take it out the it's just ridiculous. Oh, and there's no and, and limit people, like a
1: Roth would be. Yeah,
2: exactly. They call it the rich man's Roth. And um, I was going to say, like, some people are, are talking about, like, the like another, another thing about it is, like, a Roth IRA or 401k, if you take it out, there's going to be, like, the, the penalty before 59 and a half. And yeah. also, if you're doing a Roth, you can't do it if you're making over 129,000 years. It's the AGI yeah. limit. Um, there's no AGI limit for the, the either of those products, like, for the, the life insurance yeah. things and there's no uh, penalty to take out before 59 and a half. So it's just like a different way to leverage it. And uh, I feel like it's a more like efficient vehicle for a lot of people, especially for people who are making over 120,000. So that's, uh, that's kind of what we do for like a a lot of the big time people who weren't really like aware of that kind of stuff, you know,
1: that's it. Yeah. Yeah, No, I feel like there's so many, I mean, I don't really know why a lot of people don't know about it. Maybe it's for a reason, you know, like a lot, (laughs) because well, it well, sounds it sounds as like if you talk about
2: life insurance. People do really want to fucking talk about that. But when you get in some like, all right, like sit them down, like this is how it works. And this is why you want to do it. That's when it makes sense to people. You know what I mean?
1: Well, yeah, I feel like also, you know, I've said it on the show before where all of these really solid, you know, they're, technically you could call them loopholes, but just like efficient ways to manage your money and not mm. get taxed on them. Yeah. It's like, is there... Like, why isn't everyone doing this? Is there a reason why not everyone's getting educated? Is this education or information being like kept? Because mm-hmm. then I guess then what's the point of your job if everyone knows about it kind of thing, you know?
2: Dude, I wish everybody knew about it. I wish everybody was coming to do it. <laughs> I <laughs> think um, one of the reasons something like that is not as popular as just like a regular Roth IRA is because of the fact that I think it is because of the fact that it's under like the the insurance contract. You know what I mean? I think it's like the wrapper of insurance. For a lot of people just don't think about it. And it's it do, a lot of times it doesn't make sense for people who are not like if somebody's making 50 K a year, you don't really have the savings capacity to put into something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? So it's just yep. not as common a thing. It, it's more for, it's, it really is something for people who are in the top three to 1% percentile. I think like that, but yeah, you know, for the right people, like if your objectives are different than somebody who wants a Roth IRA too, like if if somebody was planning on retiring at age 50 or 45, like it makes complete sense to do it too. So I, you know, I don't really have a good answer that. Why doesn't everybody do that? I mean, I think a lot of people should do it. A lot of more people that
1: that are doing it should, you know. Could also boil down to risk just because people see these, these avenues that aren't you know normal or status quo and then they feel like it's a little bit riskier when in reality it's like way safer
2: yeah exactly and people just want to go out and spend a hundred thousand on dogecoin and watch it flip around in the market each day and take it out and everything and you know honestly i I would too if i didn't know about this kind of stuff but that's just uh that's kind of what it boils down to is educating people on it and that's how we come in i guess you know
1: yeah and that's what we're trying to do here also uh well, there was one more thing that I was going to say, are there any other like tax efficient methods that you usually try to offer to your clients other than? Insurance?
2: Yeah. Um, another thing is that is similar to that, I would say, but kind of the opposite is if anybody has any kind of LLC or any kind of like different kind of company, like say you guys own real estate, if yeah. you own like a couple different things you could do, there's just like, if you have an LLC, if you have some kind of corporation that's not yourself but you own it, there's like endless shit you can do. Like yeah, you can set yeah. up like executive compensation plans where you're paying yourself. You could like disbursements,
1: uh, tax-free disbursements. Yeah, so, exactly, And then there are also write-offs exactly. for your company and whatever. Mm-hmm.
2: You could um, you could hire your mom as a worker, and then all the money you're paying her is getting is getting written off. You could open up a a SEP IRA, which is basically like a the fucking 401k, but you can put like 60K a year into it, you can write that off and it's not taxable income, but you take that out when you're, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's like the biggest loophole is it? anybody who has an S corp or anything that anybody who has an LLC or anything like that, like has endless stuff they can do. (laughs) I got a good
1: question for you that we actually asked uh, someone else we were talking to about, he does section eight housing, but Mm -hmm. it was just a general question I had. Mm -hmm. Um, The only reason I've been waiting to buy a property is because I want to get into like multifamily real estate Mm. and I was going to wait for my first property, obviously do an FHA loan, keep it in my name until I can refinance and then put it into an LLC or something. Mm. But then the idea popped in my head, like if I, not that I was going to go down this avenue, but let's say I found a really cheap property that I could put the 20% down and it's only like 20K. It's like a really cheap property and Mm. maybe I wanted to do section eight or I wanted to do a short-term rental or something. Yeah. Yeah. If I did that first, could I then and I put that into an LLC right away, didn't even put it in my name? Mm -hmm. Could I still get the advantages of a first time home buyer loan after that if I put that in my name? Because that's the only reason I'm really waiting to jump on something now.
2: Mm, You're getting a little bit out of my. A little bit out of my. Okay. Okay. But I don't, I mean, I don't think you could, right? Because it's it's the FHA is the only reason for it is because it's the first time home
1: buyer. Um, I just didn't know if I put it into a different entity that maybe then the rule doesn't apply. Maybe.
2: I don't know. I really, yeah. All right. you're above, I you're above figured I did. Me. No, it's I'm all down. good. It's all good. <laughs> haven't done too much, uh, like into real estate, to be honest. Yeah. Like, we handle the, the the REITs, which is like the real estate investment yeah. trusts. Yeah. Um, we kind of run sensitivity around people who are using um real estate as like fixed income. You know what I mean? Like that's like yeah. the kind of w- way we use it, but we're not really out here like advising people on like the real estate investments and everything. Gotcha. So gotcha. Not, I mean, maybe there's some advisors that do do that. It's just, it's just not something that I've really specialized in. It's a, it's a great thing people are doing. Um, again, it's, it's not short-term liquidity yeah. and everything, but yeah. it's a great way to generate fixed income.
1: Um, I just feel like yeah. now, especially, you know, for the common person who's maybe they've been putting their money other than a, their retirement account in stocks and maybe some crypto mm-hmm. small allocation in their portfolio in there. Mm-hmm. And now they're just watching things go down. I just figured... You know, for that kind of person, what's something they could do now to at least see some? I got one for you. Nobody knows what this
2: is. Nobody. I don't know why the fuck nobody knows what this is. If you go online right now, you can buy a government i savings bond, which is exactly indexed inflation. You can do up to ten thousand dollars a year. I think. In, what is inflation right now? Like eight? Or did it go up? Are uh, they uh, to seven? Or eight.
1: It, it was up to ten, I believe, and I think it, they just did another reading on the the last time, and it uh, came down a few. Uh, Tense.
2: There you go. So it's you can get you can go buy a government savings bond for up to ten thousand dollars, and it's it's obviously triple A rated because it's a government savings bond, it's a treasury bond, um, and it's going to be ten percent. So if you put ten thousand dollars in next year, this exact day, you're going to have eleven thousand dollars, and there's literally no way it can go down. It's a government bond.
1: Really? We
2: don't know about that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I didn't know, know about with, that. Uh, now. <laughs> yeah.
1: What you got to send me a link after money. this. Wait, so, I might have to yeah. look into it. Does
0: it just, it, this is just, it completely relies on whatever the inflation is for that year.
2: When, no, it's when you buy it, you buy it at the rate of whatever, like say today, if inflation was 11%, if you bought it today, you'd be, you'd have an 11% interest rate. So, or 11% the yield on it would be 11%. Gotcha.
0: Okay. I mean, that's
2: like a little like nugget. I feel like that's not things thing. People just don't yeah. know about the savings bonds. And it's, I mean, I think there isn't for that, that, um, you know, it, it's not like a huge thing that people do is because you're capped at $10,000. You can't put more than $10,000 in a okay, month okay. the max you can do. But, you know, government's always selling debt. So that's like a good way to just like if you're like, hey, what's a good where? Where can I put my money for a year? That So I don't want to spend it. I want to get some growth on it. It's not going to be anything crazy. But honestly, right now, inflation is like it's so high that it's pretty good return. Like t- yeah. 10% on a bond, like that's unheard of. So. I take
1: 10% any day this last year, yeah, exactly. yeah, 25%. <laughs>
2: yeah. So the eye the savings is, is something that's super, I, I think it's a great thing to do if you're you know, just trying to sock some money away and get some return on it. No.
1: Yeah. So I guess uh, also one of the things is that, I don't know, maybe you agree. We're taught our whole life to avoid debt
0: mm-hmm. when in
1: reality, you know, the only way to get wealthy is to go into debt, mm-hmm. but a different kind of debt than, you know, not consumer debt. It's asset Uh, yeah the
2: assets and everything
1: yeah i don't know Um, i mean is that uh i don't really know where i was going with this but do you feel like that's that's kind of why you know maybe people don't always go that way or like are a little bit afraid to jump into these other avenues of assets or investments other than just you know maxing out their 401k match and then maybe putting some in their roth mm,
2: i don't know um I feel like it kind of varies from person to person. Cause some people see debt as like, for example, my mom grew up like, like super, super poor. She grew up like, her family's from Cuba. They came here with like nothing. So when she sees debt, it's like, Oh man, like no debt. Like can't have that. Can't have that. But like, it's not half to It's Like you said, it's not bad to have it on the balance sheet, especially if it's something you're paying it down. So people have fucking, um, you know, millions of dollars in debt just cause they have 10 mortgages. You know what I mean? So it, yeah. it's
1: like, But they have someone else paying the mortgage for them or something like that. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Or or they're just paying it off because they got, they had a good, they got a good rate on their mortgage and it's like 10 years ago. You know what I mean? So it's, I don't think it's a bad thing. And I don't, I don't, I think it's just person to person. I don't I can't speak on that for others.
1: Yeah. And I just wanted to reiterate one more time that this episode was made with Zencaster and check out our coupon code below if you're interested to utilize their tools. Somewhat pivoting but i wanted i wanted
0: to ask you about the like the workplace culture at mm-hmm. your job um just because it's like th- there's a lot of things that i've heard and maybe other people maybe some of our listeners have heard too about some jobs in finance being like every like everyone's in a suit and everyone's really aggressive and over overworked and just absolutely just hectic at all times. Is, is that the case for your specific, like industry, your specific role or not really?
2: Um, sort of, um, we do have to wear suits every day or in the office, which sucks. A lot of time <laughs> I work from home. Um, but the thing is, we're all like, like I don't have a salary. Like I work completely under, over assets under management and commission from insurance products. Um, So, like, there are people, the people who are successful are, like, like crazy, 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 like, going, like, 24-7. But then there's people who just start and, like, don't really know what they're doing and are just kind of like, oh, lofting around, like, you know, getting water. Figuring things out, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I would say it it kind of varies. Like, it's honestly, without people, also, it's, it's like, half remote now because people can go in the office whenever they want. So, I would say, like, there's definitely an intense culture and it's definitely super competitive. Like everybody's always thinking about like the next premium, the next like client and everything, but I don't think it's like um, it's not like boiler room. You know what I mean? It's yeah, it's, not yeah. like, um, like 000, it's not like like a hundred thousand. It's not like like a thousand people screaming at each other in a room like that. I think those days are kind of behind the industry a little bit.
0: Hopefully, but, yeah, um,
2: yeah. But I'd I say it's mostly just like super competitive. You know? Got you.
0: Yeah, no, because we kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah. We we had we had one of our friends um uh who asked to remain anonymous. So like um he worked in investment banking and he was telling us that like like it was not abnormal for him to be yelled at at like on the job or he would come home from work at like ten p.m. Mm-hmm. eleven p.m. Like I, I hung out with him on a Friday night.
1: Mm-hmm. and he
0: pulled up at like 10 30 and was like yeah I came straight from work and i was like bro why are you at work till 10 on a friday mm-hmm. and he he like he has his explanation but i i guess it is just like a culture thing so i just wanted to ask if it was yeah. different than that now
2: that's a little different because like i mean like at the the wire house is like jp morgan or uh like, like goldman or any of those. Morgan Stanley, like they're they're getting worked like differently, dude, because they got people on their back. Like if they don't perform, like they have somebody else that's like gonna get fucked but like, for Like as far as me, if I don't work, I'm just gonna get fucked. So nobody's really gonna yell at me, but I'll just not be successful if I don't work. You know what I mean? So it's a little different on that end. But um, yeah, man, I, I've heard some some horror stories from a couple of those places for sure. Like I've seen people coming home. Like I've seen I've been to Grand Central after I was getting like. Like going out, you're <laughs> getting drinks afterward. So I, was like, yeah. <laughs> I just got off, and I'm like, God damn!
1: Like, yeah, yeah so. I guess it's like the route between you know being like an analyst, an yeah. IB analyst, and you're mm-hmm. doing advisor, yeah, advisory. So that's a little bit different. But also, I guess you're right. It kind of gets more stressful the more the larger your AUM is, because mm-hmm. that's also just other people's money that you're managing. Yeah, but yeah. I guess also once you have the certifications you've learned the, the safer avenues to keep people's money that will still. Oh yeah. I'm a not a out here
2: yeah. flipping people's money on the market. Hell no. Yeah. I'm not day trading. I'm almost strictly mutual funds. Obviously I'll stick to the blue chips too, but I'm a, I'm a big mutual fund guy, big index fund guy um, for a couple of reasons. You know, one, I don't have the time to be trading on the market all day. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's, it's tough to do um there are people that that's literally their job to do it and they're being paid millions of oh, dollars uh, to yeah. do it so i'm not going to try to outsmart them um you know if you just look at history how many people have, for a long period of time to consistently outperformed the market probably 5 10 like what do you think i don't i don't, I don't really know
1: it's a very small amount yeah very they small, usually say something one in 10 people yeah name.
2: exactly it's something that's almost, it's super hard to do a um, believer of time in the market instead of timing the market. You know, I mean, I think it's. I saw you're in yeah. the market for yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like a, the yeah, yeah, I, I dollar you know, cost yeah.
1: average for long term portfolios mm-hmm. and everything, but I do day trade like a do small you? account just to to practice and learn and grow my account. Mm-hmm. But you can you know, like all my real shout on it. it for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um,
2: you know, and maybe yeah, sometimes I'll do that with my own money, but when I'm playing with other people's money. It's oh, just of, course, not, of course. Yeah. You know yeah that's I mean? stress.
1: You don't want, even when I'm yeah. trading with, you know, like a couple grand in my day trading account, I'm like getting stressed and learning to control my emotions. <laughs> exactly. But it's even only a smaller amount. That's, yeah, not, yeah, yeah.
2: that's not us.
1: <laughs> yeah, No, no. Yeah. You, you yeah. time in the market versus timing the market. I agree. Yeah. I think the there was a
2: stat. I forget if it was like seven, 11 or 15 years. Um, we'll have to look it up, but it was like, if you kept your money in for seven years, if it was 11 years, doesn't matter what time period it was like in u.s history like you're guaranteed to have made like a money on it like if you did not take your money out like for oh it's about timing
1: the cycle period. so it, it, as long as you've been in this period of time you have withstanded probably one no like, cycle yeah, and then exactly it became, doesn't matter
2: what time frame you it doesn't matter what time period if you're in for seven years like you made money like that was like the stat i forget what if it was seven or eleven but um it, it was something like that and it's like that's that's really how we like kind of work on it. it's just timing time in the market get in the market get as much money as you have in the market without having your emergency fund depleted like that's like the way to to kind of go about it.
0: All right, I guess, I guess uh, one like one thing that's very relevant to just society right now, like what do you what do you think people should be doing with their money right now besides that the the eye I, I savings account that you mentioned earlier like what what do you think people should be doing
2: buying um, it for sure no like
0: when's the last time
2: i mean what is The market's down like fucking 25 percent like most like the blue chips and everything like that I, i'm buying it as up as much as i can i mean it's everything's discounted um if i, I don't think the u.s economy is gonna collapse or anything i don't think yeah. we're not gonna have a like currency in the next like fucking 10 years so you know but just I, yeah. Just buy, buy everything up you can, you know, it's, it's a good time to buy in.
1: Um, Safe investments that have proven to withstand exactly. time. That, yeah.
2: yeah that's, that's what I do. Like right now, like I think Amazon, I bought Amazon a couple of weeks ago and it dropped. Um, I got unlucky. I bought a whole, I bought a, a, a shit ton of just like mutual funds and, and index funds in like October. Just because like, so when I had money available
1: mm-hmm. and
2: um, so I, I was bleeding pretty bad, but I was like, you know what? Like, I'm still going to keep buying. It's fine. It. It's yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. I'm not going to take money. You only lose if you take money out.
1: Every time I um, get paid, I put the same amount in every week. Exactly. I, I'm yeah. down now, That's but I mean, it's, it, when you're buying, I am telling my family too, because I try to get them all at least investing a little bit since I've been learning these things. Mm-hmm. When people are crying and everyone's on Instagram, Twitter, saying that everything's over, it's done for, marketing crash. <laughs> It, you know, that's, this, that's this might not be the bottom, rich. but the, ri- the risk-rewards here are just re- exactly, a lot better exactly. than when that's you're… that's
2: when you want to buy in. They asked Warren Buffett how much money he lost, and I think it was 2008, and he was like, nothing. I didn't lose a single dollar. Like, what do you mean? He's like, I didn't, I didn't sell anything. That. I didn't lose any money. <laughs> I mean, like, it went all went back up. So that's like, you, as long as you don't panic sell, that, and that's why most people lose money because they panic sell, um,
1: you'd be good. You know what I mean? That's they bad. buy top, sell, bottom. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Ahmed, do you got any other questions you wanted to ask? Yeah, uh, one
0: one last one. Um, what is like the? Do you have like any really good or really crazy client stories that you could share with us?
2: Um, let me think, dude. There, I've dealt with some crazy people,
1: some characters, right? Yeah.
2: Um, to build that wealth, you gotta have like five hundred thousand dollars to like millions of dollars in crypto. Stuff like that, um, people buying like NFTs and shit like that for millions of bucks. And it's just like, dude, like, do you even like, like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, what, what are you buying right now? Like, you're buying a picture of a poodle. What? Like, come. On.
1: <laughs> I feel like it all also depends what percent of your portfolio or what percent of your wealth you're dealing with. Because you know, if you if you have a large amount of wealth and you want to make a speculative investment, mm-hmm. just to keep things interesting, and it, yeah, if you yeah, lost that sure. money, it wouldn't make any dent in you. Then by, by all me- means. Go for it. Mm-hmm. But people that are, you know, in this last bull run were able to go from poverty to riches and then didn't pull anything out. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my gosh, man. Mm-hmm. It's, go
0: right it's, right back to where you started. Buy
1: 10 real estate properties and then you can never, you never have to work again off passive income. Like, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No, exactly.
2: Exactly. Or safer, like what you're doing. mutual I, funds I think you want to buy stuff that like, I don't want to say is, is like crypto isn't real, but. If if you buy a house, a house is not going anywhere. If you put your money in the market, like these are legitimate companies with value. If you're putting a hundred thousand dollars into a coin shaped like a dog, like like what like what is that? What you yep. can you go to the store and buy food? No, you can't. It's like a lot of like a lot of times people just buy stuff to to ride the swings. And um, you know if, if you're lucky, if you're really smart about it, you can make a shit ton of money. But 95% of the time, is that what people, is that what's happening? Probably not. (laughs) So I would say the craziest stuff is just people being stupid with that kind of stuff. I would say if anybody, like, I mean, like, obviously, like, you can make a shit ton of money in crypto, but it's it's like, you got to be careful with it, you know, because people don't know what the shit is half the time. I don't understand the risk. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I would say that's the craziest thing I've seen people do with their money is, is stuff like that.
0: Awesome. It's, it's actually, it was so cool like going from like a basketball conversation to this conversation, just because I guess it was like, this was the transformation that you had to make in your yeah. life. Yeah, But right. I guess one, one I know I said last question before, but one last fun question. How often do you get to the basketball court? Cause I know John, John balls a lot and I, I don't know what he was like in high school. I didn't know him then, but he's, he seems like he's still nice with it to me, so I want to hear about your story, your ball stories. So,
2: um, my I live I'm in New Rochelle right now. I have two of my two of my roommates right here. Um, we all have been friends since we're like five years old. And I'm in New Rochelle. Um, my assistant coach from Penn State got the head coaching job at Fordham, which is like ten minutes away. Awesome. So my little brother's transferring transferred there, and he plays there now. Sense. And, like, two of my teammates from Penn State play at Fordham now. Like, they transfer there, too. Um, one of my teammates' little brother plays there now. So, I, I go over there, like, a couple times a week, and I play with them. Um And, and I just actually – I started on, like – a. I think we started on Sunday, actually. I'm, I'm playing on West 4th. I don't know if you guys know what that is. Yeah, yeah. It's a street ball league in the city, so I'm going to be over there. That's a so, good time, yeah. I was I, – I, when I first started, I didn't play – for, like, a couple months. and That felt really fucking weird. And I was like, all right, never again. Like, that's Yeah. Never yeah. again can I go that long without, like, really hooping. I felt, like, heavy and stuff like that. So, I was like, like, once, twice a week, I'd really get to a court and on the weekends or just whether it's putting shots up with my little brother. Like, you know, they don't, they don't want to lose that stuff. So...
1: You also I realize so as you start to work full-time, you need to get that exercise you in. It's lose, also good for your it's, mental it's health. It's
2: hard, bro. It's hard because you get home at 7... It's like, fuck. You're tired. Don't you don't want, want to do, do it.
1: But when you force yourself, you, you do feel better at the end of the day. I oh, for it. sure. For, for college. Us. like the, f- I mean, I was playing intramurals here and there like some of the semesters, but there would be months where I wouldn't play and I would just, you know, not get on my schedule yeah. without it. And then it's I would weird, never feel hey? good. I would feel worse. It's yeah. weird. It's, it's weird like being like,
2: all right, I, I got to go get – I got to I come home. I got to cook myself dinner and then I got to go like get to the core. I was like, goddamn, But – you
0: know, you got to find a way to stay in the game. 100%. I guess I could send this off. Um, You know where to reach us at black box podcast. No A in the black on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Black box podcast with an A in the black on TikTok. Uh, You can email us at blackboxsubmission at gmail.com. Thanks Taylor again for coming on the pod. It was nice having you on and great to hear your stories. And um, thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next week.
1: Thanks, Taylor. Appreciate it. I'm sorry